Welcome to episode 878 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 878 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix of Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Isles. Did I get the right? I didn't get the right, did I? Your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. But I think I did that at the start. Yeah. I don't know what's happening with my life, John. It's only number 878. We'll get it right eventually. What's what's happening with my life? John, you've been getting a slick haircut. That's what's been going on. No, no, I just put some water in my hair before we started. Oh, there we go. It's gone now. Because I'm pretty scruffy. Yeah. I, I, I've always been a bit scruffy mm. and I, about a year ago I was doing some training for something and I had to do send a video of me training someone in to get my assessment and <laughs> I looked at my ear and I was like you're such a scruffy <laughs> so I made it a habit of putting some water through my hair in the morning because okay. I often just get out of bed and start my day yeah. um, and, and often exercise will mean my hair gets wet but let's say in the last couple of years I've been Chuck us some water in my hair. There you go. <laughs> it's just Looks so like There you go. I took us proudly brought to you by our wonderful patrons. We've got Roger the Chop Cannon. Marion mm, Creaming the Moose Herring. That's a great one. We've got uh, Christina uh, Steaming Up the Room. Amen. In this week's show, John, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got an interview. We are talking John Leveson, who is the man behind Try 247 or helped sort of form it over the years. Uh, so I was really keen to catch up with him. Um, best website out there, I reckon, in terms of triathlon news okay. and content. Very good. Uh, John's just going to quickly go over some of his road stuff and wang of the week, questions answer, and then we're done. Okay, so let's talk into the race where quite a few halves happened over the last, last weekend. Sam Long. My God. It just Daniela Reef. Nice. Daniela Reef. It was a pretty good result, wasn't oh, it? Insane. So yeah. We're going to skim over them pretty quickly, but there was quite a few noteworthy performances. Um, Sebastian Keenley finally kicked off a win in his uh, grand finale tour. Oh, did he? Great. Winning the Zarauco Triathlon, which I think was in Spain. Uh, Sarah Perez took out the females. Then over in Boulder, we had an absolute shellacking that Taylor Nib gave everybody in the 70.3 boulder. Holly Lawrence, who we spoke to last week, she was treating it as a, as a you know a hard training day, not tapering or anything, but Holly Lawrence is a bloody good athlete, and Taylor Nib just went in that race, pulled the pants down on all the females on the bike, and just said, see you later, I am see on later, another alligator. level. As did Sam Long and the boys, winning by four minutes 50. And Taylor, Over a good field too. Quality field. So yeah. Lionel Sanders said he's just on another level. So it'll be really interesting to see how Sam Long goes when it's not a small event. It's, you know, you've got a stack fields and then he's, he's already out the back door in the swim. Mm. Um, at the moment, it's not a problem. He's just riding through and just decimating them. But it's a different dynamic when it's a fully competitive What's well, what, six or seven weeks to the Worlds? Uh, where are the 70.3 Worlds this year? They're in August, aren't they? Um, they no, are they can't in, be. No, they're in... They're later. Uh, it's World Championships in August. They're over in... Oh, he's, he's doing Scandinavia. Uh, Sweden, Switzerland. One with the... Finland. Finland. One of the lands. So if, if he's going, uh, it'd be fascinating to see how he goes. So bloody two impressive results there. So, uh, challenge Kan Sumir, Imogene Simons, who hasn't done a lot of racing in the last little period. She smoked it by 18 minutes. Jeez, that's a dominant performance and a half. Yeah. <laughs> William uh, Magnusson took out the boys. Then over at challenge Garads Bergen, 
Um, Menno Coolhouse took that out. Joe Skipper was third. He's not so good at 70.3s. He seemed pretty happy with his performance. Margie Santa Maria took out the females. And then in Challenge Wales, Tom Bishop and Lucy Byram took that out. Tom um, Bishop's got great hair. Sorry? He's got great hair. Yeah, Look at that hair. Yes. He used to have a mo when he when he's not right. I don't know if he still does have a mo, like a, a full-on mo. That's, good. That's, that, that, that's a guy who hasn't put water in his hair in the yeah. morning, I tell you. <laughs> it was a 70.3 boys race in Staffordshire. James Teagle took that out. Uh, another one we should talk about, but is um, 70.3 Switzerland, female pro-only yeah. race. Daniela Reef uh, Takes out the number one the number one ranked athlete by two and a half minutes. And just... We, it was a Danielle Reef of old, you know. Ashley Gentle is a machine yeah. runner, and she's she's good good all round. She's solidish sort of swimmer, um, steady on the bike, but a machine runner. Danielle Reef put six minutes, six and a half minutes into her on the bike. Uh, so when she's in that sort of mood, she is awesome. So do not write her off when she's she is a, you become a yo-yo athlete, but I think she has a lot of health challenges from time to time, and when she's on. She is still on, and I am going to be excited to see what she can do in Kona. Uh, then finally, we had a 70.3 in Warsaw. Warsaw. Kapperstepniak uh, took the boys' race out, 3.37, and Lucy Buckingham took out the females' race. Um, and I think uh, John Leveson might have said that it was her first race in over a year um, after a whole bunch of injuries, or first race of the year. So good to see her back winning. We also had Ironman Philippines, which is a full-distance race where only age-group athletes are competing. And uh, if we pull up the results there, Jumbo, I'm just going to I'm just gonna, uh, yeah. Overall the, men, Eric van der Linden. Yeah, and what's notable here is Eric van der Linden used to be a very, very good pro, okay. uh, short-course athlete, and I'm, he's definitely older than me, so I'm picking, he is probably 50, I'd say. Actually, we probably has his age group in here. Uh, do you want to click on him and see what's Oh, I've age? gone to the girls. Anyway, uh, this just goes to show how hard it is racing in Asia. He used to be top, top athlete, like big dog on the World Tri-Series. Uh, he ran 3.44 to win the race in nine hours, 56.20. Wow. Just goes to show when you're racing in the heat, uh, it's tricky. The second place only ran a, th- ran a 3.31, which is probably one of the fastest, when I do a quick scan down, probably the fastest runs for the day. Um, it's Eric van der Linden. What age group is he? He uh, he's still 45 to 49. I would say he'd be at the end of that age group. Well, uh, in the female race, the winner, the overall winner, did a 411 in the marathon. Yeah. Yeah. So total time? Uh, total time of around about, let me have a look at here, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, 11.30. It looked like, I just saw one picture, and I'm not sure if this was uh, indicative of the day. Uh, it was pissing down at the finish with rain. Okay, so I think it's Japanese. I'm not going to be very good at this, but Chizinga. Uh, Yama Ashiti. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Perfect. Yeah. It's not, but she she took it out and she won by about 15 minutes. So it was yeah. a pretty good performance. Um, okay, then, so then we've got coming up this weekend. We've got a couple of big races coming up this weekend. The first is Ironman Kens, which is the Australasian Championship. Uh, either Australasian or Oceania, whatever they, what they have it now. Sorry? That's, why is it New Zealand or. You know, when we think about Australasia... Show me the money. Yeah, but when we think about Australasia, this is not the right time to have an Ironman race for your championship. Yeah, I mean... You know, like if, if you are going to say, when's the Australasian season? Uh, it's done and dusted by by now. Yeah, you know? um, and if you're going to make championship races, and there's other championship races at this time... Hmm. You have got the good, most of the good Aussies and Kiwis there. Yeah, so but that's because it's a championship did it, race. If you did it at a different time of the year, you're probably going to get the same field, I think. 
Unless you, if you did it Ironman New Zealand, maybe you get a slightly different feel. But it would be nice to yeah, see you get it a bit of Ironman New Zealand. Wouldn't you? Yeah, you usually get a, like a Joe Skipper or somebody yeah. maybe rocking up. Anyway, should be an interesting race. But I tell you what, there's going to be some easy qualifications four for uh, Nice and for Kona on both the males and females. There's four slots on either side. Prize purse for 150 grand, paying 10 deep. And when you look at the boys, you've got uh, four of the top five have already qualified, and on the females, you've got. Uh, Five of the top five, all of them, <laughs> have yeah. qualified. So if you you basically almost just got to finish because someone here is going to be pulling out. And so there's only 11 starters on the female side and you've got to say one or two is going to pull out. Uh, is it, do, everyone's is it still a percentage of time? Sorry? Is it still a percentage of time with them finishes? Because... Because, like, for example, in the females, you've got Sia Crowley, whose predicted time is nine hours. Mm -hmm. And then you go down to those who don't qualify. So Laura Brown from New Zealand. Oh, no, from Australia. Her predicted time is 9.44. So mm -hmm. she's the first. Let's say that happens. She'll get the first slot based um, um, on the predictions. Yeah. Then go down to person Emily Donker from Australia. She's predicted to do 10 and a half. Hmm. She could still get a slot. Absolutely. She, she's highly likely she will. Um I don't believe, and I'm happy to be pointed out if I'm wrong, that there is any um, restriction around times. There used to be at one yeah. stage on the prize money, but in terms of slots, I, don't, I just think it rolls from... So what are you predicting on. in the race? Braden Curry? Well, so on the boys' side, we've got... Uh, it should be a good, good battle, actually. You've got Braden Curry, Stephen McKenna, um, Mike Phillips, Nick Castellan, Tim Van Berkel, um, along with David Plissé, uh, Matt Burton. Yeah, it should be an interesting race. You'd expect Braden to win, but you expect him to win Ironman New Zealand and um, Mike Phillips. Yeah. Mike Phillips is on his game. He's he's really going to be really competitive as is Stephen McInnes, so I think it should be a uh, should be a really interesting race. Um, on the female side, you expect Sarah Crowley; she's predicted to win by ten minutes, and if she's on good form, you'd expect her to do that. Okay, good stuff. So we've also got Ironman Austria coming up, and the big news there is there's a name down there, Alistair Brownlee. He's a pretty good triathlete, uh, but, but he's will down he be there, there with an asterisk? Yeah, I will think, he be there? He's also entered the following week in Ironman Nice, uh, so I think he's just basically going. If I'm fit and ready, I'm going to go and do one of these races, and I've got to put my, I've got to enter. I've got to put my name on the list. Whether he turns up or not, I'm not sure. Um, but only well, two. he hasn't qualified yet. This race has two spots for the men. And two spots for the females. So Cam Worth's going to be racing as well. He's, he's also listed for Ironman Nice. So kind of hard they, to we're, we're seeing the people who haven't qualified, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. And uh, Alistair Browning doesn't need to have an amazing race to, you know, to, to qualify. He just needs to have a, a steady race. But if he's, you know, if he explodes on the run like he has um, done previously, then uh, won't be, won't be qualifying. But he's predicted to go seven forty seven and win by six minutes in front of Cameron Worth. Uh, so that will be interesting. Hope he races. I hope he races either there or Nice, um, which is the following weekend. On the female side there, you've got Lottie Wilms, uh, who is the top seed, predicted to go 8.57. Um, so, yeah, most of the, the big guns have uh, ticked that qualifying box, and after the next week or two, well, a lot are going to, to rote. Uh, we'll talk about that next week because the rote field is mega. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, isn't it? It's great. It's absolutely fantastic. Okay, what are the other races happening out there outside of the Ironman and Challenge World? You've got the Mavoria Man in the Czech Republic. You've got the Kelp Man, which is one of the X-Try sort of races over in Scotland. If you want to go somewhere fresh to do a race, that would be a good one. You've got another long-distance race, uh, International de Deauville, the Ultra X in Ambleside in the UK. Um, the Lakes Man is on, uh, and good old Phil the Big Brown Whitehead as uh, a race director up at Lakes Man. Very popular race in the UK, sells out. Um, beautiful part of the world. Another beautiful part of the world that's not an Ironman 
distance race, but I saw it listed on k226.com, is the Mont Blanc International Triathlon in Passy in France. Uh, I'm going to be in that area next year. It looks like a cool race. You're ra- basically ra- racing along the, the side of Mont Blanc. Um, not, not that you're going up there or anything like that, but a uh, very cool part of the world to go racing. Okay, good times, rock and roll. Um, this week's discussion. So we've got no short course stuff this week. No, not much happening really. No. I mean, we had the European Champs, I think, last week. Uh, the week after next, the World Tri Series kicks back into action. And where is that going to be? It's going to be in Canada. I think it's in Montreal off the top of my head. Um, sometimes you don't get everybody rocking over there because you're kind of getting into the European season. Um, so, yeah, I think it's Montreal is the next one. And they usually have a mixed team relay there as well. Okay, so the discussion of the week, and it's a really good one actually, what do you think about in the final hour of an Ironman to hold yourself together? And we've got lots of comments on here. I'll start with James Red Rocket. He's got one, two, three, four, one, two, three tour. Sometimes I make it to 10. I usually think in a couple of hours I'll be sitting somewhere having a beer, wondering what all the fuss is about. So why don't you just go faster? Works every time. <laughs> why don't you just go faster? Come on, mate, sharpen up. Uh, Wayne Walker, um, I've done it. One more hour. Keep it strong and you will be an Iron Man. Uh, Brian Ashby's got, got old Ashby's got, um, every time I think, relax and enjoy. It hurts now, but I'll never be doing this again. Uh, Stephen Tool, I just attempt I just attempted pace calculations to estimate my finish times in my head whilst having brain fog. Easy, It's an easy way to fill their last hour when I'm struggling even to know the time. Three, Holbrook Scott, the pain stops at the finish line. Um, Bell Symes, those finish line feels and seeing my mates talk uh, about our day in the battlefield when you get to the finish line. Judy Francis has got stay in the moment. Nikki Thomas has got KFC. Oh. Uh, Gavin Davis has got, I, pre- I prepare for what I'm going to say when I'm being interviewed by you guys for that uh, piece in life on the other lower half of the field. There oh, we go. Oh, so- if I'm if I'm a slightly coherent in, in wrote, I'll have the call recorder with me. Yep. Based off last time, last year. No, last you were hopeless. You were lying down for like an hour. Uh, Rachel, Rachel Jenkins says, I think about the sacrifice I've made to get to the start line of all those hours of training. I haven't come all this way to give into the mind. delmore has got a good one. Um, there, there, there might be another hour to come if I'm not careful. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually quite a good one, isn't yeah. it? Uh, Nina Pope, one foot in front of the other to the next tree or the corner or the trash can in my head. I'm listening to Black Sabbath playing Iron Man. There we go. Uh, Les Paul's got ice cream. Rob Yole has got uh, keep trying to keep to keep the negative split in the marathon. So there you go. Samuel Brown, my daughter, and also defeating my personal demons. Good old Chris. Hanarahan has got, uh, can I trust it was really a fart? <laughs> That's not a yeah, good place. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll find one more. Another counting one here. Uh, Jeremy Hotwood, count to 100 and then back down again. Not sure if I've completed that sequence yet. Good old Eric Cheats got, uh, dig deep into your psyche uh, to your strongest joy- joyful memories. In doing so, you'll disassociate from the physical pain and the mental thoughts We'll just say stop. They just say stop. John, you know what's really interesting is, as I, as, I, as I was reading this earlier, I don't think I ever went into a strategy of my mental strategy for the last hour. Mm, I've definitely got some strategies in place. Yeah, like I think if I, if I think of I, I was I think I was a mentally tough athlete, mm-hmm. but I don't think I ever actually had a real process for it. Mm. You know, I know you know talk about being process driven, so mm-hmm. you know I think about things like technique. But if I were to race again now. 
I would go in with a mental plan like crazy, mm. you know, and a real, you know, here's the steps I'll do. Here's a, if this happens, what will I do? Bang, bang, bang. Mm-hmm. There'd be a lot more time, energy spent in the game plan for the mind in that last part of the race. One thing that I don't think I've ever thought of, a couple of people mentioned there was food. That was probably the furthest thing from my mind when you, your stomach's... But you know, yeah, think Coke. Sorry? That's uh, uh, an energy a, to get a through. mechanism to try to get yeah. through. It's not, I want to have a Coke. It's like, I need to have a Coke to, to get to the next aid station. Um, I think you guys probably know what I'm saying. It's very process-driven for me. It's a case of... I think somebody else said it, just setting a target, going next aid station, just need to get there, and then being process driven all the way through. Um, so, you know, just thinking about technique, checking the watch, uh, thinking about nutrition and where that's at and what I need to do when I get to the next aid station. Um, it's not so much motivational sort of stuff, thinking about particular people or anything like that. It's it's being as, as process driven as, as possible and uh, trying to stay in the moment, not worry too much about what's what's been in the past. It's just like ticking the k's over and I do quite a bit of I do some math in my head I've never done the counting to a hundred but I do some sometimes do quite delusional sort of math so yeah, I might think it's like if, treadmill, isn't if it? I've got 10 k's to go I'm thinking oh, it's only 40 minutes it's probably going to be a little bit longer than that yeah. but I'll say yeah it's less than 40 minutes and I'll always be trying to take the easiest option I can in my head in terms of what's going to seem like it's easier so not when you get to 25k I won't be thinking shit I've only done I've still got 15, 17 Ks. This is going to take bloody ages. It's like, sweet, I've done 25. It's only 15 K to go. And then just start maybe thinking back to some um, past training sessions going, yep, you know, I can bang this 15 K out in this time. And then if things are starting to unravel a little bit, then it's just a case of setting a, a realistic K pace for the next kilometer that I'm in and knowing that if it's going to slip a little bit, so for example, my time, you know, target time is going to be around about four minutes 20 per K. If that's falling away and I'm going, okay, this next K, if I can bust it out in 4.30, that's still going to be good. It's only going to be 10 seconds a K that I'm going to be losing. That's not going to derail my day. So it's just um, doing a bit of disaster management if required. With, with a good perspective around it. It's interesting... I think I do use motivation maybe more than you would, So, but I choose my moment. So I'm always thinking in a race that strategically I'm being very process-driven. Like the affirmation I use a lot is what's the best choice I can make right now to get, give myself the greatest result? Hmm. And I and it's a, the great thing about that question is it's a changing answer as you move through a race. Mm-hmm. So early on it's about fueling, it's about being conservative, it's about you know sticking to a plan. Uh, through that middle section it might be about you know your technique and so on. But I do find that there's a moment in the last part of the race where I'm trying to get the best out of myself. Now sometimes that's a survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. You know, so how do I just not go further back? And sometimes it's just going to a deeper, darker place when you're strong. I remember I did, we got our race team Epic, which is this crazy half marathon race that we do. And I was doing it by myself one day just to see how fast I could do it. And in the last part, like you run up Solaris at 19 Ks into it. And Solaris yeah. is a very steep hill. Solaris is 20%-ish. For about a K and a half. Mm. And more than that in places, probably 25% in places. Yeah. And, and like you're doing this, and the, and the run you've done up to this point is kind of up and down for like 18 Ks. So, and I remember just going up there and I, and I was, I hadn't blown up, but mm. I was just at, can I get more out of myself? And I'm really, I, I really think to motivation in that moment. I like self-reflective questions. I like identity questions. Like, who are you? Who do you want to be as a person? I'm reminding myself that I love a challenge. I love those types of questions. Mm. If I can, I definitely love music. Music's a massive driver for me. If I can get mm. the right song in a moment like that, that 
takes mm. that just makes it easier. So I do look for that moment of when will I need motivation? And in a good race, there's a moment where you're close enough to the finish where you could either choose just to get to the finish line or you can push a little bit deeper. Mm. Um, and for me, that's when I go away from process, really. To, there'll be a little bit of process in there, but more towards just going to, you know, get to the finish line knowing you gave everything. And if, uh, preparation for me, the t- last 10K of the run, I know, you know it's going to be the most painful part of the race, but it's, for me at the moment, it's the most... I'm most excited about that part of the race because that's going to define... Yeah, well, that's you know, it, isn't it? Yeah. It's going to define what sort of a day, not necessarily, you know, you've got to obviously do the build-up there, but I just so want to be strong in that part of the race. And so that excites me thinking, you know, I, I picture the go through the race. I know when it, roughly 10K to go is going to be at this turn at this little town and you've got a bit of downhill. We come through the, the, the town of um, Rote itself. Uh, and just visualizing those moments and trying to be as strong as possible. And more often you visualize that, the more likely it's going to happen. So for me, I'm excited, very excited about the last 10K of the race. Oh, and that's the thing, isn't it? You, you know, we've all had races where we didn't necessarily get the result we wanted, but we did our best. Hmm. You know, And at the end of the day, you're always satisfied with those races, even though you may have not got the results. And then we've got races where maybe you got a good result, but you know you gave up. Hmm. Um, and I think at the end of the day, while we want good results, ultimately we want to know who are we in that dark moment. Yeah. You know, like who, how did I respond to my most challenging time? And if we get to the end of the race and we know we kind of gave all, well, how can you not can be, be satisfied, satisfied with that? Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, this week's discussion. So what is the best non-Ironman or challenge branded long distance race you have done or you would love to do? There, there we go. go. That's the John, you got a quiz question. John's quiz question. We may have done this before. I'm not quite sure. I don't think we have. Okay. How many years was the 70.3 World Champs held in Clearwater, Florida before it was moved? So for those of you who haven't been following the sport for a long time, it was based there for a number of years. Well, basically started there, didn't it? Yeah. And that was because Ironman was based there itself. It was either They were nearby. Yeah. yeah. They're in Tamp- Tampa, isn't it? Or Tempe? Something Tamp- like that. Tampa, Florida. Tempe, yeah. Florida. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, it was there for a number of years before it started moving And it was a disaster of a place to have it. Yeah, well, it was just a pancake flat yeah, course. It was, it was draft it, fest. It was one of those ones, occasionally you get a race, like a lot of Ironman races have got a component of drafting in it. Hmm. But then occasionally you get a race where you get lots of video coverage where people are like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And it happened there pretty much every year. Yeah. Yep. So when did, how many years was it held in Clearwater before it moved? Okay, John, we've got an interview. We have. We are talking to John Leveson from Try 247. Here we go. Hey guys, uh, I'm pretty excited to have today's guest on because partly because I know very little about him. His name's John Leveson. He is the founder and chief correspondent of try247.com, which is basically my go-to website in terms of getting triathlon news. Um, for those that haven't been on there before, it is a UK-based site, um, but very much covers you know uh, all world things triathlon. Uh, I know John also does some race announcing, um, commentating. Uh, for some of you who have watched Challenge Races, I know he's done some of the uh, commentating for, for those and uh, yeah I just thought it'd be great to get him on discuss his sort of career and also the, the changing nature of um, you know covering events and this whole media space for, for triathlon so John welcome along to the show oh thank you very much uh, always a yeah pleasure to be be on here I've been uh, yeah fans of you guys from uh, well even longer than we've been around so uh, no uh, it's a uh, I probably think the first time we've we've chatted. I think we've had yeah. a few few email conversations back back in the days of uh, when when sub eight 
sub eight and sub yes. nine was actually no, no, notable, and we we seem to have moved beyond that. But um, no, happy to happy to catch up. Those emails would come in every week now. If we said, "Oh, can you can you update that sub yeah. eight hour list? It'll be just still update it." I've I long since gave up on that. Yeah. It, it just ceased ceased to be um, relevant. Really, ceased to it? be a barrier. Yeah, I actually yeah. Um, it was quite interesting. I had some. Uh, I was chatting to to Torsten about. Um, something something un- unrelated i had to ask him a question because i thought well, torsten will have some stats and he a, a, just a little data set for nothing to do with the site so he sent me some data through and on that list i think i, I added up i think um joe skipper um has something like nine sub eights now mm-hmm. uh, which is just you know I, I, I know there's you know over the years you know maybe issues with you know, course lengths and stuff, but however way you you want to cut it, it's it's um, yeah. What was a barrier is now you know an absolute requirement, uh, particularly on the fast courses for these guys to to get success these days. We're going to find out a bit about your tri sort of career and uh, and so on. But what what were you doing before before triathlon sort of came into your life? Oh well, I started triathlon uh, actually as a competitor at university. Um, so I guess the, the background before that would be, uh, in terms of school, I, I was just uh, always sporty, did everything, football, cricket, basketball, uh, rugby, bit of athletics, uh, orienteering, various other bits, um, just, just keen at most things, didn't excel in anything, played in a few football teams and was in the school team for probably, yeah, if it was a school team for something, I would probably be in it, but I certainly wouldn't be the the star forward. You know, I'd be the reliable bloke at the back, stopping the goals type of thing. Um, and I suppose that background, um, when I first sort of stumbled across triathlon, which probably would have been late 80s, um, on a probably a Saturday morning Transworld Sport program, which used to be on in the UK about seven or eight o'clock in the morning, I just thought, oh, this looks, yeah, this looks quite cool. Like, you know, I, I'm not a swimmer, but I can swim and I've got a bike, but I'm not a cyclist and I've done a bit of running and I've done a few running races, but far from, far from uh, excelling in anything. Um, and then, yeah, that sort of stuck around in my head. So when I came to go to university, um, in 1990, uh, one of the thoughts was always going to be, yeah, I'm going to join the triathlon club alongside what I was studying. Um, and yeah, little did I know um, that, crikey, however many years later, I'd still be involved in it in a different way. And what was the career looking like before you sort of got into the media side of things? Um, well, university, I did a banking and finance degree. So uh, I guess... Uh, yeah, that uh, mathematical uh, analysis science base. So A-levels, I did chemistry, physics, maths, um, went off to university, did, a, did did that degree, um, did a couple of years working for British Airways, the um, airline. Mm-hmm. So I was been based down in London, joined their finance graduate program, uh, was there for about two and a half years while I was doing my management accountancy exams while while working with them and then once that was out of the way um moved uh and basically worked in in the city for about probably 11 years total so uh two years was with a swiss investment bank 
I was working as a product controller in the equity derivatives department. And then after that, uh, nine years with um, Barclays in their treasury. So yeah, very, very different. And, and as, a, as a triathlete, we're going to get on to try 247 in a moment. All I could find was one result for you. I know you've obviously done a lot, but you went to the 2008 World Triathlon Champs in Vancouver. And if my memory serves correctly, I know at least for the junior race, I was coaching a junior at that stage who I think he got ninth or so. It was an Arctic day. So I'm wondering <laughs> yeah. whether that ended your triathlon racing career and, and, or, or what you sort of done in terms of a uh, competitor. No, so um, I, I guess the the broad brush of me as a competitor would be um, enthusiastic amateur would probably um, best sum it up. So, yeah, I did my first uh, first race was actually a duathlon while I was at university, nineteen ninety. I remember it well. I think I was fourth from last. Uh, I thought I was actually moderately fit at the time, but clearly not based on the <laughs> results. Um, and yeah, I raced um, with a few gaps. Um, I think the last actual racing I did was 2015. So I think 70.3 uh, Vichy was probably the last thing um, I did. But in between the, the beginning and the end, I did a couple of um, sort of GB age group things. So yeah, you've correctly got that one from Vancouver um, from the, I guess that's off the world triathlon site yeah. um, but even before then um, they had a, a long distance world championships in Fredericia in Denmark in 2001 which was uh, until uh, last year I think was the first the only time that they'd actually had that event over the, the iron distance so yeah I did uh, four iron distance races middle distance sprints uh, a fair bit of running as well running events um, probably running was my um, best sport um, but yeah really really enjoyed it did raced yeah, quite a few places uh, around the globe either either running or triathlon training camps and yeah just had a had a blast but um yeah I'd, I'd love to be regaling you with stories of um yeah that that podium win win at uh, Kona etc but um no uh, that you You've always got the future. There's a good, You've always got the future. <laughs> there's a good reason that you can't find that. Um, so, no, I mean, uh, Ironman Y 10.39 was my best. Oh, uh, Ironman Switzerland, yeah. um, which was actually my first one. It never never got any better. Um, <laughs> ru uh, Running-wise, I uh, did 118 for half marathon, 253 marathon. So, you know, s solid, but, yeah. you know, th there's no uh, elite background. I was, uh, yeah, an enthusiastic amateur um, who made triathlon a, a significant part of his life over a period of time, but without it being, it wasn't everything. And there was never going to be a moment where I just thought, oh, I'm going to pack the job in and, you know, become pro triathlete because, yeah, that's, you know, no, 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 none, of, uh, none of that. So, but no, Sorry, I, so I really enjoyed my racing years. <laughs> banking, and obviously it sounds like you had a pretty successful career. Um, you, you, why did you start and when did you start Try 247? What was the motivation behind that? Well, um, let's, let's go back. So um, it technically wasn't me that actually started Try 247. So I was involved uh, when it sort of came live in the sense of I was a, a contributor to the site. So they had a few 
columnists uh, on the site. So at that point, um, previously there'd been a, uh, a popular website in the UK, um, probably the only one, because at that point there, there wasn't too many websites around uh, called the Triathletes homepage, which was run by Henry Budget. Um, and uh, Henry, along with another couple of other guys, they sort of had this idea of taking what was, I guess, sort of, I'll call it a hobby site. Uh, that's probably not not fair on the great work that, that Henry did, but actually sort of taking that and up a level to, um, yeah, a more polished, potentially commercial um, product uh, at that point. Um, so I was um, doing a, a little bit of writing just as a, you know, voluntary columnist um, with them. And, and pretty early on, um, you know, I'd, I'd seen this and, yeah, as you say, I had this other career and was just just intrigued me a bit. I was interested and I, I approached them and said, you know, would you be interested in, you know, potentially having uh, another investor at that point? Just to say, so, yeah, I'm quite, quite keen. No particular plan. Um, so, yeah, I had some had some discussions a, a little bit as things progressed. Well, would you be interested in working on it? And it didn't really fit uh, just with a few um things that were, were happening in work with you know tie-ins with um options and, and various other other things um but then sort of circumstances changed um in 2006 so this probably would have been about the time uh it was launching i actually um had cancer um so um yeah had chemo um was very fortunate it was uh, hodgkin's lymphoma um, so I was working for the bank. Um, unlike a lot of people, didn't massively suffer. I guess you know lots of people go through a lot worse um, than than I did. But I was off work and went back to work. And yeah, I, a year or so later, I was just thinking, you know, this is not not quite satisfying me. Um, it, it wasn't really one of those stereotypical of, and then I saw the light kind of moments, um, but. I just thought, you know, yeah, potentially like to do something else. That just so happened to coincide with a um, an opportunity, a requirement on the site, because I think Henry was doing some uh, additional work. Uh, he's always been involved with um, electronic timekeeping um, and was doing some work with a bike shop at the time. And just various circumstances came together and, um, yeah, somewhat um, probably recklessly, I um, threw away, um, not threw away, but decided, yeah, let's swap a, a long-standing career in a blue chip company <laughs> with a great salary and a pension, and you know potentially bonuses at the end of the year and private health cover and all that stuff, and join this uh, uh, website that I have absolutely no idea if it's going to still be there in six months' time. But um, there you go. Sometimes you um, um, you go against what might be your uh, natural instincts as a, a fairly sort of analytical, logical, balanced um, uh, individual. And um, yeah. How are you back, back then? You know, obviously, so you take the plunge, you get you get on board with it. You know, how, this may seem like a bit of an obvious question, but how are you sort of generating revenue for the site and, and how did that sort of evolve over time? Um, so yeah, it's always been um, advertising uh, related, whether that's um, display advertising or uh, sponsorship of 
sections or particular add-on features, um, uh, yeah, particularly let's say around events or you know sponsorship of Kona coverage or something like that. Um, not the easiest thing to do. Um, um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say upfront anyone who um, and, and many have tried and, and and disappeared thinks, oh yeah, let's let's um, create a triathlon website, put some adverts, and we'll make loads of money. Honestly, um, yeah, don't bother. <laughs> uh, as as a you know as as you if you think it's an easy way to do things um it absolutely um uh isn't and yeah that side of things is definitely not my uh area of expertise so fortunately we um had a you know a couple of colleagues working on on that side um yeah my my focus has always been on um yeah the uh, the content the writing the yeah research editorial um, I'm would be the worst salesman um, going, and happy to admit that. So uh, I, I leave that to 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 others. But um, yeah, it was definitely uh, a very challenging time. Definitely not uh, over an extended period. It's not a, a, you know, what's the hours? It's you know, it's not a it's not a nine to five job that that stops. You know, working remotely, it's very difficult to switch off, and that's uh, to an extent still still the case um but um yeah lots of ups and downs uh, along the way um but uh, with a, a lot of i guess stubbornness and sometimes uh, refusal to to look at what may be logical um means that uh, yeah we are still around still here and um along with the likes of you, you yourself and i guess your yeah, triathlete slow twitch and a few others um a part of yeah, the long-standing media outlets, I guess. So, um, yeah, take some take some pride in that. How long How long did it take to sort of get settled in? So you started in 2006. You know, triathlon was very, very different back then. Um, we didn't have, you know, last weekend we probably had flipping 10 pro races around the world, um, you know, decent pro races. You know, back then it was, uh, it was a lot less racing. It wasn't as hype. The numbers, you know, races were selling out, but it wasn't to the same extent. And, yeah, so how, how long did it take for you to really get a, get a, a reasonable steam up where you're going, okay, I'm, I'm sort of in the zone now? Uh, pretty quickly. Um, I think looking back at... Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll discuss this a, a little later of, of you know, what Try 24-7 was at that point relative to what it was now. Uh, it was definitely more uh, UK focused. Um, and then when you looked at the sport then, as, as opposed to now, now it's not just common, it's absolutely pretty much expected even for a lot of small local races that you can almost get real-time results uh, you know through the various timing companies that that most people use going back then um yeah chip timing was definitely not the the norm live to web definitely wasn't something that um was really existing or was was at the very very early stages of being developing so a lot of what try 24 7 was doing at that point, um, and that was part of the history that that Henry had set up with the original Traffic's homepage, was having a way to uh, collate those results, particularly for for the UK, um, because you had a lot of races that would be organised by clubs. Clubs wouldn't necessarily, even at that point, even have a club website. 
results would be in all sorts of different formats. They had no way of really being able to get that information out. So part of what we were doing was being a an outlet or recipient to be able to say, send us that information and we will do the necessary formatting and be able to publish it. So you'd have uh, a location where whereby you could go and get um, you know, all of the the racing from the, the domestic UK scene. So yeah, very, very different to, to where we are now. And, uh, and to some extent, a lot of that's really gone away because you know, things like, as you, you say, lots of races at the weekend, be it be a age group or pro, if you want, if it's a, an Ironman race, you want to know the result, just go onto the tracker, it'll, it'll be there, it doesn't matter what the race is. Um, there's no, uh, certainly when I started racing, um, you would get an entry form on paper, you would fill it in on paper, you'd get an envelope, you'd get another two envelopes that you would sign, uh, you know, um, put a, stamp etc on you'd send those off one would hopefully come back or one would certainly come back with your with your race details a week before this the second one it may or may not ever come back do you ever see the results etc so a very very different um situation um to where we are now so yeah the sport has has developed we've um developed um as well um so, so yeah, very. Back then, you know, you 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 you've always been focused on content, and obviously, um, Henry was you know wanting the you know to be sort of a results hub. Um, what what's what are sort of the, what's the goal now? You know, what's your sort of mission, and, and how's that how's that changed? Uh, yeah, well, we we definitely have uh, the mission has, has very much changed. Um, uh, a lot of that driven by um, two years ago. In fact, just looking up at the clock, pretty much almost to the day, I think, 1st of, of June, um, we um, have got new owners of Try 24-7 that, um, that came in and, and joined us. So we, uh, the previous owners, including myself, we sold a, a majority stake um, in Try 24-7 um, to uh, another media partner in, in the UK. And that's been absolutely the best thing that we have ever done. Mm. Um, since we did that we have had lots of changes huge growth definitely a, a much more global um perspective um in the i think our, our traffic in north america is now even bigger than the uk um so it was really a, a fantastic partnership for both sides of we were really desperately needing um some input in terms of uh resources um to be honest, people as much as 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 finance. Um, that was that was a a, a key issue. And then uh, Sport Acuity, who are the the new owners, they are uh, very well established in the UK in terms of uh, pr- very strong journalistic background and provision of um, uh, reporting and uh, consultancy to to many sports and many governing bodies. Uh, they were looking to develop some of their own. Um, uh, entities as well as the sort of consultancy work it was something that they identified sort of through the covid years i guess um and so it was a, a perfect partnership of we've got a, a long established um brand with a good reputation we needed some help they wanted to uh, develop some uh, of their own um owned uh, entities well we were 
perfect because we we could basically shortcut probably two years of effort because we had a you know long established brand and and traffic etc and yeah by working together it's um it's just been absolutely fantastic has it, um, it, so, it helped you find your love like not that you would have lost your love but sometimes when you're kind of grinding at something you know has it shifted your i don't know your perspective or your enjoyment of a job or not saying you weren't uh, enjoying it but you get what i mean no, a hundred percent. You know, at the at the time, uh, we, we, you know, we, I was having some some difficult times um, uh, personally. My my wife had been been ill, sort of about six months before. She did also had cancer, um, so you know, and, and some surgery. So, yeah, it was it, it was difficult. When you've been, I guess, doing, um, you know, at that point, thirteen or fourteen years of of something, and you know, committing. Uh, everything to it in terms of your uh, yeah, emotion and, and, and time. It's very difficult to, to switch off. It's, it's almost like, um, I guess, if you if you see a waterfall and you think, I can stop the waterfall if I just put my hands up. It's like, no, it doesn't matter how big your hands are, the waterfall is still going to come. Um, so, yeah, I was definitely looking to, to just to take some pressure off um and now yeah with with working uh, with the team that we've got now uh we've now got jonathan turner who uh is now come in as i guess that the editorial director so effectively now my uh my boss and run, sort of runs the site on a day-to-day basis uh we've got a, a new young guy thomas um who's um, been working for us for about six months and has just joined us uh full time so that now means that i can take a little bit of a, a a slight change to what I was doing before and um, help in terms of be a guidance and mentor and uh, I guess the, the the wise old triathlon brain, if you like, with that um, hopefully significant um, archive and encyclopedic knowledge or whatever, um, but then also do some more in-depth um, articles and, and longer form interviews and more uh, analytical pieces so so yes so there's been some some changes for me some changes for the site and there's 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 plenty more um changes that um there will be coming soon so um yeah uh, it, in every regard um it's um been absolutely the best thing that we've that we've done and um yeah i'm i'm looking forward to, to seeing where uh try 24 7 continues to, to develop um in the coming years um, yeah, it did seem like for a long time. I know you said you had others in the background, but it did seem like you were you were the you were the driving force, and every every article had your name on it. And that's that certainly looks to have changed over the last um, the last little period. But w- what about the the media landscape? You know, if you've been covering events since you know two thousand and six, and you've you've obviously attended a lot. I remember you were at the um, some of the big challenge races. Uh, I think I think you were maybe at the challenge at Collins Cup as well. Maybe um, how yep. has the sort of landscape changed for you as a as a writer, um, and also you know in terms of the the, the commentary you, you've been doing and, and the technology movements? Yeah, um, I suppose the, the it's difficult to sum everything up in you know in a in a nice easy form I, I guess the the move to to digital generally is probably a good place to to start so uh, you know for us uh, we were never coming at it as a, a print magazine that also had an online presence for example but I think also in relation to di- di- digital 
um, while you have been, you know, around for, you know, possibly even longer than us, maybe 16, 17 years and up to whatever it is, 880 episodes or whatever it it, it may be, um, for much, if not most of that time, there was probably a handful if that of other podcasts so so now there's there are Hundreds. other podcasts <laughs> everyone's, are. Got <laughs> everyone's got one everyone's got one we don't have one uh i don't know if to be honest if it is coming no one's told me um <laughs> no, no one's told me yet we do have uh yeah there will be things coming in terms of new features on the site and some some video content and various things but um no i don't think podcast is top of the list at the moment um but yeah alongside podcasts you there are some more sites there are different sites um but also um with that technology um there's now a lot more opportunity for the athletes themselves um to be creating that content and you know we see the the rise of either youtube channels of the athletes themselves the um, yeah exactly I mean in, <laughs> Instagram I'll be absolutely honest because I am coming up to 52 years old I don't understand Instagram right I know it's just this massive thing and I think I've just bypassed it I'm just yeah I'll leave that to, to, to Thomas a, a young guy um, yeah. <laughs> but the, yeah this <laughs> exactly um, but yeah you see that you know the athletes now have um, both opportunities to uh, engage more directly with their, you know, with their fans, with um, with brands, etc. Um, and I, th- I think you also have to, you know, it's there's opportunities and there's also you know, for some dilemmas as well because we've seen in many in a few cases you've got, you know, I guess the the marquee name in terms of of the YouTube world. For, for triathlon, you know, from from my perspective and, and long-standing would have to be Lionel. Um, he's he and certainly along and with with Tolbert, of course, um, behind the scenes. Yeah, he's he's you know created um, or fully committed to this whole process, and you know you get you get real Lionel. So it, it becomes you know must must watch. I'll call it TV, but must watch content, even if, you know, at the end of that content, you're either you go in, oh, man, I'm so pumped up. I'm going out to do a hard session or you're screaming at the screen and you wanted to throw things at it going for F's sake, you're not changing your blooming diet or your coach again. <laughs> but we, we, it doesn't matter whichever way it is. You know, you know, that's that's what you're you're getting. And um, similarly with with Instagram and there, there are you know, there are others that are are really good at that there are others that i know maybe struggle with that and um yeah it's 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 a, it's, it's both an opportunity and difficult you know it, it's not a world that um you know I, i'm not an elite athlete but if i was a young elite athlete now yeah I, i'm not sure how i would want to to um approach it um but um yeah so there's there's various things like that um there's a lot more coverage of of races um you know it used to be a, a bit of a a rarity or you wouldn't necessarily get too many races to to watch um live certainly when i um started working on 
on Try 247, and, and you'll remember it well. You know, Iron Man Live was the, it was a, a like a, a ticker update. So, you know, you would you would watch Iron Man Live. Iron Man Live was, was the equivalent of, you know, a very basic Twitter, I guess, long before, you know, Twitter existed. And you'd be sitting there and, you know, refreshing and, oh, we've got an update, you know, which was a text update that someone had done. And that was... Yeah, you know, they were advanced at that point. Um, now there's there's a lot more in terms of of uh, streaming, whether it's by Ironman Challenge, World Triathlon. Uh, you've got new players come in with with Super League, PTO, etc. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot more um, going on, and and even going back to very basic stuff, just pure technology of you know, if you if um, you know, I can interview. Christian Blumenfeld from the seat that I'm sitting in now, and he's in Sierra Nevada just through through Zoom, uh, which I've I've done. And yeah, bef- before that would be, you know, maybe it's a phone. And um, so there's there's definitely lots of, of opportunities, and and I think that will technology only ever gets uh, quicker in terms of its its development. So yeah, exactly where it's going to go over. The next five years, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You've been yeah, involved def- in a lot of races, is like a commentator. Just a kind of couple of questions around this. Um, what grind you about the complaints we see about coverage, and also what do you think we need to do to maybe take it further um, to make improve that coverage that we're seeing within races? God, that's. Um... Yeah, that's what you call. I'm sure you guys have, from where you are. Um, playing rugby that's what we would call in England a hospital pass isn't it yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank, thanks for that one um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get the ball right <laughs> yeah I mean commentary is not easy is it I mean no, I haven't done any live commentary but I just it grinds me when I see people giving others uh, shit that are doing commentary that are doing they're doing a pretty good job, and then you you, you just don't know how hard it is to sit there and commentate, whether it be two, four, six, eight hours, ten hours for for some of those guys doing Ironman live um, coverage. It's 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 a hard gig, and, and you've been there, so it's just nice to get some insight onto what it's like when you're on the other side of the the table and and what it looks like to you. Yeah, there's definitely a lot that people don't see. So um, in terms of my commentary. Um, journey that's that's the word everyone uses these days um the majority of the stuff that i have done has mostly been the at venue um commentary and announcing um and then the the live sort of broadcast stuff um, came a little later um and yeah there is so much that goes on behind the scenes um i think one of the things that people perhaps assume or perceive is that somehow the, the commentator is in a better position or has got more information or can see more um, than they can at home. And so many times, more often than not, it's it's completely the opposite. So I'll give you a good example. So I was doing the, the on-site venue announcing um, alongside Lauren Stedman, the paratriathlete. Um, we were the, the the announcing duo at the Commonwealth Games in Sutton Park last year. Um, so if you imagine if you're watching a, 
at home potentially you you may be sitting on your sofa you've got a 60 inch tv high definition you've got your feet up whatever we're in a the top of the grandstand the sun is just absolutely beating through uh, the background onto the screen the screen we've got is about 10 inches wide we can't see the screen um, but you still have to try and you know make make stuff work there's lots of stuff that happens uh, certainly on the venue commentary side in relation to uh, different protocols that that happen and they're extremely detailed certainly in terms of timing around athlete introductions what can be said what can't be said um, and then post-race when you get to medal ceremonies medal ceremonies are from a production point of view particularly at a major games they are the thing that uh people fear uh not fear is probably the right word but that that's the thing that you cannot get wrong so uh, you know giving you an example for for triathlon and i've been so 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 lucky in, in, in triathlon i've been able to you know be part of that at two commonwealth games um that both in the uk so 2014 and 2012 we've had a european champs grand final uh, i got to go to the european games in baku and various things so the yeah the, going back to that um uh, medal ceremonies commonwealth games in in uh glasgow uh, in fact it was same same in birmingham was the the first medal of the first day was triathlon so that just means that the the eyes of the world um are on it certainly you know from a tv perspective but the, what is you're seeing on the tv is what um we or the sports presentation behind, team behind the scenes are delivering so it absolutely has to be right so when we were in glasgow i think we must have done the rehearsals uh, and I, I promise you i'm not exaggerating but somewhere between 40 and 50 times of the medal ceremony for that first uh, medal because um, when you go to let's say commonwealth games which you know for us in a triathlon world might be uh, at least in depth a lower standard race than say a world series in profile terms it's part of a major multi-sport games which means you know, in the uk it's on the um all day long doesn't matter what the sport is i'm sure it's the same in australia in new zealand so the the profile is far far higher so there's a lot that has to go on um yeah behind the scenes to to get these things right that, um that people don't see so um yeah so that's that's one aspect um in terms of you know trying to look at the the broadcast commentary i mean I was trying to think about this beforehand and, and the single thing that makes the most difference and i think this sometimes is what gets overlooked is and and this is what the the broadcast team and the commentary really can't control is how good is the race because if the race is great then everyone will be happy um some of the complaint not complaints or the whinges at, at times can be oh that you know, oh, that wasn't very exciting. You didn't, you know, the commentator wasn't excited. And it's, it's like, if you think, well, you've got a 70.3 and it's five hours long and the the female leader or the men's leader 
led out the swim and literally have been in the lead with absolutely no competition for four and a half hours, it's pretty difficult to, to be excited um, or to be consistently excited. And, and anyone that would tune in and expect a, a commentator to, to be sounding like they're, you know, you know, bursting with um, energy for four and a half hours, they would just think that um, they probably uh, um, consumed Christian Blumenfeld's uh, entire supply of Red Bull. It always helps for you when you've got Commonwealth Games, when you guys are bloody dominating, you, you kind of, uh, you're probably going to get the names right, the pronunciations right. A um, couple of quick ones to, to finish up. Um, what has been uh, the favourite race you've ever attended? Um, and I know that's a hard question, but have a, have a think about the favourite one you've ever attended, either as an athlete or as a um, commentator or, or official or whatever capacity it might be. And secondly, what race are you looking most forward to this year? Oh, good questions. Um, crikey, well, I've been to so many races. Um, I'm not sure I could come up with one, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple. I'll give you a couple. So I would say the race that we've just just talked about, uh, in terms of an event, and from my ex, from my experience of being a part of that event, um, the Commonwealth Games in in Sutton Park was was pretty epic um you know obviously as a as a as a brit and having you know been part of you know all of the world series events since uh, 2010 in the uk so you know london leeds uh, nottingham um it was you know something that i was desperate to be a part of um and we had a fantastic team on site um and it was one of those events where you you come away from in terms of your you know working experience and what you've given to it and and how you, you know that not just you have done but how the whole team has performed and you're really genuinely sort of quite emotional where you come away and just think wow what you know how did i um end up with a situation where you know you know that's a true busman's holiday of like you know, I would literally have done that for free and you come away and you're just so, you know, full of, of, of pride to be part of an event that was, was magnificent. It was a fantastic event. It looked great on the TV. The racing was exciting when we had the, you know, obviously the Hayden penalty penalty or shouldn't be or whatever, yeah. but just the whole thing that was, that was just, you know, I remember, I, you know, I, because I was just doing, triathlon and some of the uh, the other sort of team members who are sort of more generic in terms of their their skills they say they're doing sound or video they're going off to to mountain biking so they've got more events to come you know i i got you know pretty much you know taxi from from the venue back to the station and i was sitting in a starbucks or something just you know had a coffee just waiting half an hour for the station just trying to do just a you know a, a, just a little facebook update just just on just personal you know and you're thinking you know i'm not sure if i can do this without tears coming down my face you know and, and you just think you know what a what an experience so so that would definitely be one uh, the first one i ever did um which honestly i thought the first one would be the last one i got offered it at you know, a week's notice i didn't even know if i should say yes it was my uh, my girlfriend um at the time who said 
you absolutely are going to do that, John. You um, you know the sport inside out, and that girlfriend is now my my wife of of, of twelve years. Um, and that was the the World Series in London, and it was the race where, if you remember, there was uh, Gomez Brownlee, yes. two Brownleys coming down the the last finish straight, and it was the one where Alistair's legs just completely went, yeah. and you know he ended up wobbling down the finish straight. Um, so yeah, one of those you know, amazing, amazing moments. So, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty special. There, there were plenty of, of others, but yeah, just, just picking out a couple, um, in terms of events that are coming up, um, this year, crikey. Well, we'll, what have we got? We've got challenge Roth in a couple of weeks, um, and pretty impressive, um, uh, start lists, uh, for both of those, um, Ironman World Championships is always, um, yeah, a, an exciting event to watch. And uh, I, I guess from at least one perspective, um, uh, whether I'm whether I'm in Nice or I'm in in London, at least I, I won't be able to. Uh, so I won't have to be uh, uh, staying awake all night like it normally is with Kona for, for the men. So that that adds a another sort of uh, um, dimension to it. So it'll be interesting to see see how that goes um cool. yeah that's that's um that's gonna be a good year it's gonna be a good year so guys if you want to um check out john's work uh they do an amazing job try 247.com um basically if you want to you probably get weekly daily updates this week on what the hell alice brownlee's going to be doing if he's going to be racing uh somewhere this weekend or next weekend um and yeah basically if you want to find the latest news Pretty much, it's my go-to place. So, thanks for all your your efforts um, in getting that site up and running and humming and uh, and just taking the another big leap in the last couple of years. So, love your work, John Leverson. Thank you, guys. Um, always a pleasure. And yeah, and back at you, as they say. You know, you've been you've been around there for whatever it is, sixteen, seventeen years. Um, yeah, you're you're in a in a different way you're a part of uh, our triathlon landscape and i think it's important that um we as not custodians but part of the the wider media where we can try and yeah work together and um it's a it's a corny phrase and i know it's one that i'm stealing from from sam renew from pto but you know rising tide you know raises all ships or whatever yeah. it, it is and if we as a as a wider community can um, help um, all aspects of triathlon, whether it be the, the, the professional fan perspective or the participation element or just keeping the history of the, the sport alive, which I know is something that uh, is, is that's something that, that I enjoy and, and you do with through your you know, Legends of Triathlon podcast, then uh, yeah, the, the more that we can do that, then I think the, the better that um, this fantastic sport that we all love um, will be so yeah let's uh, continue to push forward and um, yeah hopefully we will chat again at some point and um, won't leave it 15 years this time sounds good thanks John <laughs> no worries cheers guys John you say 247 is your favourite why is it the best uh, it's just up to date like uh, literally if, if we've had a discussion earlier in the show about Alice Brownlee is he racing is he not so like, well Probably gonna if I want to find out, I'm probably going to go there. It's it's more up to date often than uh, than people's Instagram accounts and all that sort of yep. stuff. So uh, it's just up to date news, um, relevant, relevant, unbiased, and it and it 
and I just get the feel that it's not always just looking at results. You know, I remember um, other websites in the past, they had somebody there and they'd just be kind of commentating on results, a bit like what we yeah. do. We just look yeah. at it and go, well, this is what happened, but that's not actually what happened. So they've got people behind the scenes going, well, this is actually how it unfolded a little bit. Uh, it's also been really good at being succinct um, and just gets to the point. And now, as John said, he's sort of taken a slightly different path and he's now doing some in, more in-depth interviews. And so I looked the other day, he did like a four-part interview with uh, the guy... Um, McCoy, uh, who does the commentary for Super League, the, the Aussie yep. fella, and sort of done a four-part interview with him. So uh, I just like the direction of it, and um, yeah, it's good. I love it. Try 247. And when John mentioned just then about, you know, we've been around about the same sort of time, and it's good that, you know, we can kind of support each other, I think it's really important when you've got these really good websites, um, it's support them as well, you know. Click on an yeah. ad or just however you can support them. Um, yeah, because we need, we need these resources, we need don't them. we? Yeah, you know, and as you said, lots of websites and podcasts come and go, um, but yeah. And, and to be honest, and, and we, we, we are this, so being critical of us, I said, you know, we don't exist. These sites don't exist, you know. Yeah. And these sites are the ones who are actually doing the real reporting of the game, you mm. know. Like we, we, we kind of more of a an observer of what's happening in the game. We don't go out and do, do all the research and all the blah, blah blah. We literally look at these sites, and they are the key to what we do. So. John's right. Make sure you support these people. Okay, John, let's go. Coach's Corner. Corner. Last rope build-up. Yes. Got a bit of a curveball. Uh, the old, uh, well, not a big curveball. Just had a shocker of a session on Saturday. Oh. So, um, oh, no. last weekend's uh, main session, or one of the main sessions last week, was to do a little race simulation because um, we haven't got any races over here. A few weeks ago, we did a half Ironman simulation, trying to be at race pace. This time, uh, it was sort of moving out of the endurance phase and just trying to do some sharpening. So I decided, right, I want to try and go do 1.5k swim, 30k bike, and an 8k run, and trying to push, you know, in the region of race effort. So the the intention was, I thought, well, look, I want to be better than half Ironman effort, and ideally close to Olympic effort, but um, probably not going to quite get there when you haven't got the competitors and stuff around you. So the objectives for the session, there's a few things going on. Um, one, I really want to test, uh, retest all my equipment, so I was using a different disc wheel, a uh, different front wheel as well. Um, I had a new, brand new treated chain on as well, uh, and just had it, haven't, I don't run very often in my super shoes, so I wanted to just super retest shoes. those. And then likewise with the uh, aero helmet. So really it was a gear testing day as well as a, you know, a tough workout. Also for me, doing this as a, as a mental test is really important. You know, I think doing the long sessions is great. You get yourself nice and fit and in race mode. But I need these sort of workouts where I'm actually uh, pushing extremely hard mentally, even though it's not at my sort of race intensity. And obviously just for me about getting some muscular conditioning, you know, beating yourself up obviously regrouping and then uh, letting your, your body recover and take you up to the next level. So uh, what actually ended up happening? Firstly, it was a shitty weather day and I was basically... Was it Saturday? It was Saturday. It was in the morning. Was that bad? And it wasn't bad, but I literally cleaned my bike, had my bike oh, serviced, no. put on all the fancy gear and it was, looking, it was raining when I got up and I thought, this bloody hell, this isn't happening. And then it started to stop raining. We were driving over the other side of town to do the session and it stopped raining. I was like, uh, mentally I was in this place where it's not happening. Okay. I'm, so I'm, do a swim. I'm doing yeah. a swim and a run and I'll go and do a bike later in the day because I don't want to screw up all my gear. And then it got a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better and we got over there and I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, now I'm going to have to do it. I'm not really in the zone. Uh, which, and that was 
potentially part of part of the issue why things didn't go so well. Um, but the roads were still going to be wet, and so I begrudgingly went out and did it, knowing that to clean my bike my bike's again. not going to get covered in shit, but it's going to get to the extent I'm going to need to clean it all. So um, yeah, so in terms of the shitty weather, was not not great, and it was bloody freezing. Really seriously looking forward to getting out of this country tomorrow. Uh, and so the negatives to swim, yeah, just felt sluggish. Been had a couple of good swims lately. The bike was just woeful. My legs were just sore and heavy, and at times I couldn't even. Uh, I was just struggling to hold Ironman power. Um, on the other side, the positives were I didn't throw the towel in, um, and the run was actually reasonable despite not feeling great. You know, managed to hold a reasonable sort of pace. I was, I was trying to hold under 3:45 per k pace, and the second half I was able to do that first half was just a little bit off um, and so when you have these shitty sessions you're going what the hell um, and, and it's pretty easy to get in a negative space and so you know what I do in, in this circumstance is just analyse what the hell's going on and for me in this circumstance it was a pretty easy explanation because I'd done a uh, quite a hard strength session the day before and done some exercises I hadn't done before and it just ruined me for the next day. Um, did these uh, squat holds and like holding the squat for like three seconds at the bottom, did another exercise that I hadn't done before and it just ruined my legs and so I was like pretty straightforward. I got up that morning and I did some yoga and just thought, oh dear, that was a bit of an error doing that yesterday. wasn't tapered at all so for, in this case it was pretty easy explanation as to why things didn't go 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 well. But also always live by the old bell curve knowing that you're going to have these exceptional sessions and you're going to have these really shitty sessions and that day was one of those. Um, but for the most part, you know, as long as you're sort of tracking with a lot of average and slightly above average sessions, then you should be in a good place. So just need to do a bit of reflection going, I've had a lot of sessions yep. where I've excelled. It's and, a moment, uh, not the trend. Yeah, so, but it's always good to recognise it's okay to have some shitty sessions. Okay then, John. But let's go quickly into the quiz question, then we'll do Wing of the Week. So the quiz question. So how many times was the World 70.3 Championships held at Clearwater in Florida? And it started now. You, do you know the answer? No. I'm going to say four. I was going to say four or five. I'll go five okay, because I think your four might be right. Because um, it was like early, early 2000s? Mid 2000s? No. Yeah, it was. 2006. Do you know what prompted this? Oh, no, we'll, we'll see how. Oh, did this not have the years on it? Um, where it was? It doesn't actually have where locations were. Yes, it does. 2006 to 2010. That's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I was 10. Well, I was, yeah. I was right. Yeah, five. five. Woohoo! <laughs> then they had a few years in Henderson, Nevada, and then, then it started moving around. Henderson, Nevada wasn't, not that I ever went there, but that was hot. Oh, really? Uh, and then they started moving and they went to cool locations. They've done such a good job with it. Uh, Mont-Tremblant, Zalemsay, Malulaba, Chattanooga, uh, South Africa. No one's won it three Reese, times in the men's. Taupo and... Um, no, it wasn't in Taupo in 2020. It was supposed yeah, to be. Year. Wikipedia got it wrong. Uh, that was ended up being in St. George. And Daniel Reef's been the most successful 70.3 champion. She's won it five times. What a beast. She really is, isn't she? It's going to be um, interesting watching the last moment of her career, isn't it? Because yeah. she's, she, you know, look at last weekend. She's still got it, oh, but yeah. not consistently. So, yeah. What prompted this thought for having this as a discussion of the week was Terenzo Bazzoni won the race in 2008. And the only reason this came up, yesterday I was on Facebook and in, in New Zealand there's a, there's a triathlon and sort of trading post, um, what do you call them, uh, marketplace. Okay. And uh, and that comes up in the feed, and there was a an aero helmet, and it was the exact same aero helmet as mine. I'm like, oh, 
There you go. And the, uh, there was somebody, Bozzoni, on there, and I clicked on that, and it was obviously Terenzo's mother who spent uh, the last two years, by the look of it, selling off all his old oh, equipment. Really? No idea what he's doing. If anybody knows is what Terenzo's up to, pop him, a, pop, him a, pop us an email. Oh, that's pretty old for an athlete. You want to move on with well, life sometimes. Well, Fredino, is it? Yeah, true. And is the, the, Terenzo... Like, tw- like we have, like, because remember in 2018, he had the bike crash. And maybe that was the beginning of the end. He, and he might have, he might have had chronic Achilles issues. You know, uh, what did you say? The injury? Oh, well, I know he had an Achilles okay. issue. And <laughs> it was maybe just a bit he random. Bit, he may have, yeah. he may have chopped his ear off. You know? Yeah, but he just move on with other things. Um, so if anybody knows what he's up to, just be interested to know because he's not not done anything on social media. Has he not? Has he not even been on social media? No. Let me have a look. I put up his, I put up his Instagram. Trust me, you won't find. It. I am an Instagram expert. Be- no, a social media. His last expert. post. Was yeah, 106 weeks ago. Yeah. Anyway, there yeah, you I go. What he's uh, Wanger of the week. Pick a number, Bevan. Make don't make it 77 because that's what I was last week. Um, I'm gonna say, I say 13. Unlucky for some. Not unlucky for this person because they did swim, bike, and run. Who is it? David Bryant. He did 20 hours and tw- and from his catalyst dietitian. I think we might have mentioned him oh, before. Cool. Uh, he did 20 hours and 28 minutes of training, six hours, 48 of swimming. That's quite a lot of swimming. That's 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 swim time, not uh, time in the pool. You know, moving time. Eight hours, 25 on the bike, and five hours, 15 minutes running from 15 activities. 20 hours and 28 minutes and he is from Floriette in Western Australia he's got private accounts that's about as much as I can tell you as simple as that <laughs> he's got a picture it looks like a fairly young fella uh, yeah from Catalyst Dietitian Dave Bryant you are our winger, winger of, the week. of the week okay yes what was oh, I got a quick email Jim Flynn yes you sent through John's base based on your in-depth knowledge of the state of Alabama and yeah. flapjacks. There was a, last week. There was a, a uh, one of those sort of X-try type races in Alabama. I don't know anything about Alabama. Well, he says you've set New Zealand uh, U.S. Uh, cooperation back. If you keep it up, we may have a diplomatic we have to break off the diplomatic relationships. Uh, and now he came back to me. He said, yeah, "I'm pretty sure Bevan, you could play Sweet Home Alabama on the guitar. I think I can. I think it was one of the first songs I ever learned." That's the my knowledge of Alabama. There we go. There we go. So. I really know nothing about Alabama's jammer and flapjacks. As a, as a jammer. <laughs> as a jammer and flapjacks. I have had one before and I just remember it not being a pleasurable experience. You put them in the toaster, they kind of got jam and stuff in the middle from me. Do you know one thing I used to do with the toaster? When I was going to Raylene, her mother, she taught me this. And it's not good for your toaster, but it's pretty good. So what you do is you get Marmite and cheese. You get two bits of bread, pile them together, put them in a toaster together. <laughs> it's just, it's just, so, you don't need a toasting machine to do this You put it in the toaster yeah. For about three months of my life I lived on that It was absolutely divine Marmite and cheese Do you like Marmite and cheese? Do not like Marmite Do you not like Marmite? Which is surprising I'm a savoury person And I've tried Marmite Do you like Vegemite? Just, no Peanut butter all the way But Marmite To me I don't eat butter much in my life Like, like I don't add butter to, You know Obviously my meals have butter oh, But I, butter. I don't, if I have toast I have, don't have butter Mm. So I don't have much butter, except for on a Friday I have two muffin splits of butter. You need it. Mm. English muffin? Yeah, Can't exactly. Flapjacks, English muffin, no contest. Yeah, exactly. But Marmite and butter on toast. Peanut butter. Oh, John, you're missing out. You're missing out. What's this one set? 
Uh, we started to taper today. We've got a couple of fellas uh, doing Ironman Cairns this weekend. So we did a 600 warm-up with a bit of mixed strokes in there. Nine 100s to send one to three, four to six, seven to nine. 300, um, half of it drills, half of it um, just freestyle. And then 1250s going two, just nice and fast and strong, not out of control, one easy. So just going two, too hard, one easy, two hard, one easy. 200 warm down, 2.6Ks, job was done. Good time to rock and roll. Okay, let's say thank you to our patrons. Jumbo, you go first. William, the treasure chest, Lockwood. We've got Craig, the rock, Nicholson. And Mandy, T-Mac Towler. These are all patrons of the show. We really appreciate their time and energy and supporting the show. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. If you want to become a patron, go to Uh Go through the process. It's all pretty simple. You get a gift. You support the boys and what we do. And uh, we really appreciate those who are patrons. If you want to coach... Check out Coach John Newsom if you want to check out Epic Camps, epiccamp.com. And then for anything I do, bevanjamesos.com. Uh, content, age group of the week, cool websites and stuff like that. Just iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Jombo, you goss. So I was saying bit attention. before, but attention on, the, uh, on our Facebook page. I put up a, an advert for our Kona camp next year in May. A fantastic camp. Um, we do the... Uh, 70.3, we bike all around the island, bike on the Ironman course, if you want to get involved, it is wicked. And we stay at some nice places, which is reflected in the camp fee, because um, we're not slumming it any any longer, and someone took that to point, she's happy to run the same camp, you book your flights and, and hotel, I provide the camp for $800. I was like, it's just like bait, it's just like the bloody and red John, and John, <laughs> It doesn't take much to trigger John, but you, you okay, so John goes back quite friendly. He goes, thanks, uh, thanks, Kelly. Um, I guarantee it won't be the same. And he goes, watch me. And that's, that's <laughs> that. Then we got a few, oh, good old Mr. Sausage Ollie Jenner kicked in. It was great. I can't wait to come on your camp. <laughs> and then he comes back with another one. You can buy a Ferrari or you can buy a Ford. Both will get you to your destination. If you have the money, there's nothing wrong with spending it the way you wish. Cheap isn't always better. Uh, and good old Grinder got in on the camp as well, so thank you for those that gave me the moral support. Um, it is a wicked camp. It is expensive. I totally recognise that, but we stay at, especially when we're down at the Manalani area, these fantastic four-bedroom places. They are sweet, and it makes the whole experience a shitload more enjoyable. We have support crew out on the road, you know, two or three vans out there. I'm not trying to justify no, things, ma- just ma- explain ma- it. You, you provide an amazing do, value. We, we do a lap around the island, you do massage, and I'm like... You're delusional. You're not comparing the same thing. If you were comparing the same thing, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But, yeah. Anyway, troll me. I'm coming back at you. <laughs> You're not meant to give them a teaching, John. It's like at yeah. school. I was always a kid. Don't give them a teaching, the teachers would say. And they were right. You shouldn't have given me a teaching. <laughs> if you want a shit experience, pay 800 bucks, you'll get what you pay for. There we go. Jumbo, what, so, what, so off tomorrow. I am leaving tomorrow, and I tell you what, I've had one foot on that plane for about the last four days. Yeah, um, it gets a bit like that. Yeah, winter's pretty good. I just and it's not as fine. You know, the weather's been pretty reasonable, but when you know you're going somewhere warm, it's it's uh, it's going to be good. So look, getting on the plane tomorrow, it's two day flight, so we kind of have a forced taper starting from from tomorrow because it's um, yeah two days of zero. Although we are going in Singapore Airport, going to a little gym there, do a little half hour workout because we've got a seven hour layover. I was telling um, John one time I was, in, I, I think I had a twenty, I think it may have been twenty three hour stopover. Like yeah, a l- in that case, I'd be going for a bit of it. If it, if it was one of those seven ones, hours. Is it was it was line. very long. I can't remember. It was extremely long, and I normally go to town, but it just whatever reason it didn't work out that I could go into town. 
and I end up walking a half marathon in the airport. Literally, you just like walk in. It's quite a big airport, so you can literally like do an hour That's of walking, massive. you know, and kind of end up back at the start. It was, yeah. Uh, so other than that, Bevan, it's just been uh, prepping that. Baggage allowance is causing me a few challenges. I've got to go do some reorganising today. I was going to take two sets. So I borrowed a bike case and managed to fit two sets of wheels. Oh, in that's good. So sweet. It's exactly what I wanted. Uh, and then went to weigh it and it felt light. And I was like, bloody hell, it's, it's quite heavy. So challenges. There, so how much are you allowed? Well, Here we go. that is Here one we advantage go. of travelling with the wife this time. Uh, is we'll be able to we should we should be able can to you combine? Well, that's what I'm okay. <laughs> what happens if you get there and say you can't? Got, my flight's got changed, and and so I'm not on the airline that I originally booked. Oh, what was that about? Problem. So originally, well, I'm on Air New Zealand, and then I was going to be on Lufthansa, and with Lufthansa, it's a peace rate. Okay. So you know, like I'm going to get stung. It's okay, but you know what's what's yep. coming. But this time. I'm on Air New Zealand and then Singapore and Singapore is like you're allowed 30 kgs and then you're paying per kg per kilogram oh. so it's always a palaver travelling with a bike why did that no. oh they just changed flights cancelled okay. flights and stuff so we still get there at the same time we're gonna, we're gonna, I got an email we're going to Bali in about about five weeks Yes, about five weeks. Get the, get, make sure you get the day right. Unlike one of our listeners who very nearly missed his flight this week, oh, well, the, for, was, had, had in my, his mind, he was going Thursday and it was actually Wednesday, which his wife thankfully figured well, out. Well, we had a friend, my mate Marky Mark, his sister-in-law, um, who aren't that wealthy. You know, like they're not, they're not poor, but you know, they were doing a family holiday to Australia and it was a big thing. It was kind of a five-year thing or a ten-year thing. Hmm. Um, booked everything, bam, bam, bam. Turned up to the airport. They went on the 7th of the 6th. They'd booked the 6th mm. of the 7th, or the other way around, whatever. Mm. So they booked maybe the 6th, 7th of the 6th. You missed it by a day. You missed it by And a she month. turned up on the 7th of the, the 6th of the 7th. She turns yeah. up and they go, um, and they go well, you're not in the flight. And she, what do you mean? You, 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 you booked it a month early. And she yeah. lost it all. Yeah. Oh, the poor thing. You'd be hard. Oh. What do you do? You're nothing. Yeah. Like, imagine tomorrow you turn up to the airport and you've stuffed up. I get very you know, nervous about things like that. I check and check and check. But, but for this camp, for example, what gets because I do all the organisation, it's like it's a lot of work. Triple check the accommodation like a million times. Going, it's bad enough if you turn up by yourself and you get it wrong. But when you turn up and you've got forty people and you've got the wrong date, there's not many options up your sleeve. Thankfully, it's uh, not happened before. Well, we I got an email the other day from Ian New Zealand because we we're going to Bali. And I, you know, you kind of, it's early in the morning, maybe you've picked up your phone, you're reading your emails, and you kind of still, you're just kind of not really reading them. And they said, so whatever they, however they worded it, they didn't word it like this, but they're basically like, we're changing your flight, it's a dramatic change. And it was actually like a 15 minute, 15 minutes oh, yeah. early, but the way they worded it, and I hadn't really read it right, I was like, oh no, what are we doing here? And yeah. it turns out. Bevan, have you been watching the uh, Tour de France? So, John, we have, and I want to yes. know nothing about the race now. So, because we were, we've been, we've been kind of in succession finished, and we loved succession. So we're kind of looking for a series, and we haven't really found something. And we've been, do you watch Taskmaster? Mm, oh, we like it. We, yeah. we, we, it's always, we, we always like to have a drama and a comedy. Good comedy at the moment shrinking. Okay. On Apple TV. Okay. It's about, only about 10, 10 episodes. We don't have Apple I, TV. I found no, it really maybe we'll. You'll find a hack somewhere. No, no, no. We we go between. So we'll go yeah. there. Um, so, so yeah, so we were looking for something. And I said to Joe, do you want to watch Tour de France? And I wasn't sure if she'd be interested. Mate, she's loving it. We've only watched two episodes. It's mm-hmm. very good. I'm up to four and I'm saving the rest of them. for the Now, flight. you know the result. 
Yeah, but it's the same. They, they do the same with Formula One. It comes out a year later. I know who's going to win. But you said it's a good race that year, isn't it? And I, yeah, and I've watched all stages, but like I watched episode four yesterday, and I, and I knew what was going to happen. But rewatching it, it was like, oh, that was wicked. That was wicked. I'd forgotten that second. That second one where they're going through the cobblestones, mm. just madness. Mm. So it's good. It's not quite what I expected. What were you expecting? I was expecting a little bit more fly on the wall sort of stuff. Um, maybe I was a bit delusional. I kind of want to see some. Because well, you are seeing inside the buses and. Yeah, but I was probably more thinking, I suppose you do see a little bit afterwards, but I want to see a bit of tension you know, afterwards because I'm sure there is some when, when things go bad. But there was a bit of tension when that guy... Between the riders and the, stuff. And day, was it day one where the guy who was the sprinter got the got yellow jersey well, well, and he, kind of, he yeah. kind of didn't look after his mate and then he yeah. backed it up the next day and came through for him. Mm. So there was, mm. you could see there was a bit of tension there. Mm. Yeah. But no, it's good. Why um, is that team going for that strategy of having two great riders? Um, is it backup? Uh, yeah, totally, because one of them crashed, yeah, yeah, well, they yeah, both yeah. crashed, uh, and they've just gone with that strategy for it, and I'm, it's going to be totally different this year, because the other team they're up against is just so stacked, it's ridiculous, oh, really? they've got so many good riders, they need to have a salary cap, because it's, the sport it's a bit. they're just going to, yeah, it's going to be a very Now the young boy, scenario. the Kiwi boy, George Bennett, isn't it? Yeah, he's going to struggle to make the team. Really? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, so he's in the UAE team, uh, he made it last year, but he got COVID halfway through. Oh, okay. Um, and he's not and performing at the moment? He's going okay, but the team is just like so stacked. Like they've got 10 guys as good as George Bennett. So it's just like who's, whoever's... Does it make it boring then? Pick. Sorry? No, we'll wait and see. At the end of the day, your top gun's still going to be... A salary, here's a good thing. Do sports need salary cats? Like, so you look at... I remember listening to Freakonomics that a podcast years ago, which is really interesting. You ever listen to Freakonomics? It's a really good podcast. It's basically economist ways of looking at the world. But they talked about how it's really interesting when you look at sport because American sport has kind of a socialist system because they have the draft system. Um, there's, there's kind of a salary cap, I think. Uh, yeah. Whereas European sport or like the British sport... No. It's total capitalist. It's it's mm. basically which is kind of tr- contradictory to the different types of political systems within the countries. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think sports better oh, for salary caps? Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. Uh, or, or, or a system where you can't get those teams just. Well, look at Man City right now. They've won everything, mm. but the the mm. money they've got the most money. Mm. So yeah, I would like to see a system where it is. You can somehow level the playing field a bit. Yeah, because then I think it was in in one. Maybe an Australian sport where the players actually took the sporting body to court, saying, "Well, you're restricting our ability to make money if you have a salary mm. cap, mm. you know, because if you took away the salary cap, you might get some big wig coming." And yeah, so it's it like well, like I look at NRL, like I, I love my rugby league; it's my favourite sport. This year, the competition is so so tight. Basically, mm. is we're, we're nearly two thirds of the way through the season. We're just past halfway. Um, and a team of 17 teams in the competition, there's three teams you say who can't make, who can't make the top eight now, mm-hmm. but, and there's probably two teams at the top who are well ahead. Every other team could make the top four. Like, mm. it's ridiculous, you know, and it's just such a cock trike talk, and it makes it, every weekend, pretty much every game counts. Not a home Yeah, and, and, and every, like, even the bottom team beat one of the top teams last weekend, and it just makes mm. such a good, whereas we look at Super Rugby, Mm. And we had our semis last weekend, and they're just a joke, other than the, the ATT and Wellington game. Mm. So, yeah, that's interesting stuff. Anyway, John, let's uh, wrap it up. 
next time you hear from me will be in Germany. Just showing off now. So good luck to everybody who is racing in Cairns this weekend or Austria or likewise coming over to Rote. Come and say hello if you see us. Um, we're going to have a uh, fancy red camp kit on. Uh, so hopefully meet a few of you guys over there. And likewise, if you're racing anywhere over the world in the next few weeks, have a good one. And I'm in it. Train, Train smart. Kia kaha. Kia kaha.